All right. Good morning, church. All that can come to mind is, uh, come Lord Jesus, come, right? Today we're going to have a moment of learning and growing, but I don't want to miss the opportunity of what God is already doing in your hearts even now. When, when God chooses to do what only he can do, uh, how dare we lead with an agenda? So we're going to take a moment here. And I know that everybody in this room has something going on in their life or knows somebody that has something going on inside of their life. So we're going to take a moment here right now, and I'm just going to ask you to pray. And this is how you pray in the Spirit. Um, don't start talking right away. Let's just sit in a moment of silence, and I want you to listen to the Spirit of God. And then as you choose to pray in your heart silently, I want you to pray. So let's do that together, church. So God, we shouldn't find it uh, shocking that on the day that we pray here, uh, many pray for peace, that we're lighting the peace candle as we think about how your son Jesus completes your plan. So I thank you for the privilege of what it means to be the church. It's not always able to be laid out with a program we let with, that we plan or this, this uh, lineup that we hope for. God, we just don't want to be in your way. We don't want to grieve your spirit. And so right now, as people are talking to you, I pray that you will just draw us closer to your heart. May there be a source of revival that just breaks over each and every one of us that demands that we share this truth. So as we go through some of this basic understanding, 
may your uh, spirit remind us of people that need to know this. And for anybody here even now that needs to receive it, I pray that you are already preparing hearts to do just that. So God, thank you so much. We are your church. Wow, what a blessing it is to be your church. And we just love talking to you in the powerful name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen and amen. So as we begin here, I want to start with a question. If, uh, if you have your Bible, get it ready. If you have your Bible app, you get your phone ready. We also have the uh, Pew Bibles uh, ready to go uh, near you. So if you don't have your Bible, I'd love for you to be able to grab one of those and participate as we uh, read and we learn. If you don't have a Bible, there is no reason for you to feel ashamed of that. You need to go get one, <laughs> or you need to ask us, and we'll give you one. Uh, we give out a lot of Bibles. I give them out in different languages because that's what they need. And so uh, make sure that you bring that with you so that you can go through it and that you can be practicing like you know, how, to, how to navigate through it so that way you can feel confident as you learn God's Word. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do a little poll here, if you would help me with this. Uh, never have I ever, okay? So this is how it works. Never have I ever, and then I say a statement, and then you raise your hand if you've never done that. And then the fun part is looking around at the hands that are not up so that you can be like, wait, you did that? <laughs> so super fun, nothing shameful that I'm aware of. And so uh, let's just practice one, okay? Never have I ever re-gifted a present. Right? You even know what that means? <laughs> Some people are going, I don't know, have I? That means that you received a gift, and for whatever reason, you thought you would bless somebody else with it. That's what regifting means. I have done that. I have thought about that in the moment, uh, for sure. Uh, so, never have I ever worn an ugly Christmas sweater. Raise your hand if you've never done that. Look at us. <laughs> Some people are like, I have never worn an ugly sweater. Okay. Barlow, let's go with it. Let's just, okay, you say it, I'll believe it. All right. Uh, never have I ever known all the reindeer names. Never have I ever, right? Asher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Dunn, or Blitzen. You guys know these names? All right, never have I ever had Christmas decorations up after January 1. <laughs> now, this is going to cause a divide even more than the pandemic right here. What do you mean you take them down early? Yeah, December 26th, we're ready to move on. We, have, we, we, we just were that family. We embrace it. We love it. It's in full swing right now. I went and bought some cheap poinsettias because I wanted that pop of red in the house, and they will die before Christmas Eve. I guarantee it. Not because I will seek out to kill them, because it's just in me. It's my nature to kill plants, and so it's, I'm really good at it. And so those will be gone, uh, you know, December 26th. That's the day after Christmas Day, by the way. Never have I ever forgot to invite someone to my Christmas party. Never have I ever Christmas shopped on Christmas Eve. There's nothing wrong with that, people. What if you had an inspirational thought of, I forgot, right? Then you get out there, kind of like Jingle All the Way. You've seen that with Arnold Schwarzenegger? We just watched that the other day. Super fun. Never have I ever listened to Christmas music before December 1st. Never. 
<laughs> Some of you want to raise your hand on these things, and you're like, that's me again. Can't raise your hand. Never have I ever peeked at my Christmas presents. In the presence of a safe church family, I was notorious. My sister and I were notorious for seeking them out and finding them. Mom, I knew I was getting the VHS Batman before you gave it to me. <laughs> the original one, the good one, you know, Michael Keaton one. It was in the stockings that I was actually saying, I'm sorry. Never have I ever. Never have I ever opened a Christmas present and rewrapped it to hide the evidence. We are some weird people up in here, I'm just saying. And those people that are raising their hands, they're kind of like, I don't want to be looked down upon for never doing it. Never have I ever watched Christmas movies when it wasn't Christmas. I've done it. Mm-hmm. The Grinch is fun in June. I'm just saying. I can have some fun with that. All right. Uh, never have I ever pranked someone with a terrible gift. <laughs> You're trying to think through. All right. Rhetorically here, never have I ever fully understood what Christmas was all about. Never have I ever fully understood what Christmas was all about. You may be familiar with the phrase, Jesus is the reason. You guys know this. Last year, uh, we, we created a whole bunch of signs, and we just wanted to do a way of connecting. You'll recognize this sign here. It's in the front of our, of our church here, the building. And uh, this is, we, we, we ordered, what did we order, 100 of them, 200 of them, 250 Go big or go home, baby. So we ordered 250 of them, and we just gave them out to you guys, and everybody put them in their yard and stuff like that. And then we put like 50 or 60 in the front yard, and we were like, uh, let's see if anybody takes them. And we put it on the sign out there. Dwayne Zachary does an amazing job with our marquee out there. If you like the way that everything's arranged out there, he takes care of all of that. Super, super grateful for him to do that. And uh, so he went out there and put something up that says, free signs, take one, something along those, that nature. And they started just disappearing. So we figured it was either the kids at the high school or people were really blessed by it. And uh, there, was, there was enough feedback that we believed the community just kept taking them. And they would take the candy canes and we'd go out there and we would do it. Because we wanted people to real, like to be able to take that in. Jesus is the reason for the season. But even that... What exactly does that mean? Jesus is the reason for the season. Like, we get used to these sayings, and we get used to these things, but what exactly does it actually mean? Usually when people talk about Christmas season, they talk about joy and peace and the gift of baby Jesus. Of course, all those things are true, but here's another way we might be able to, an additional way to be able to look at it. Maybe, just maybe, we long for joy, because we're familiar with sadness. We long for this joy because we're so familiar with sadness. Or maybe, just maybe, we long for joy because we're familiar with sadness. Can you, can you receive that? Maybe, just maybe, we want peace because we're so often in conflict. Maybe, just maybe, we want peace because we're so often in conflict. We just want the family Christmas gathering to be okay this year for the first time. We, want, we don't want people to leave early mad. 
For the first time, we want everybody to show up because nobody's mad at somebody. Or if they are, they can at least get over it enough to just be in the room and keep their mouth shut. Maybe, just maybe, we want peace because we're so often in conflict. Or maybe, just maybe, we celebrate the gift of Jesus because he's the gift we so desperately needed. Maybe, just maybe, we say Jesus is the reason for the season because those of us who are believers and are allowing uh, Jesus, the Spirit of God, to renew our minds day in and day out, maybe it's because that was, in fact, the gift we so desperately needed. At Christmas time, and really all the time, there are times, in fact, that our plans simply go badly. Things get broken and relationships get damaged. Can anybody relate to this? I can relate to that. Things get broken, relationships get damaged. There are heightened levels of, uh, of, of relationships being um, started in high school because, you know, once you, pass, once you pass Thanksgiving and you start getting into Christmas, all of a sudden everybody needs a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And they're like, oh, yeah, we've been dating all the way since Thanksgiving. And, uh, and typically that will go to about Valentine's Day the next day. Because we're just longing for this connection. We're longing for stuff. But then eventually by that time, things just tend to fall apart. We humans mess things up so well. We really do. This is called the human condition. We make little mistakes. We make big mistakes. We make mistakes that affect a couple people. We make mistakes that affect so many people. And the ripple effect is just unknowing. We simply are who we are. We are humans. That God created us, we actually invited sin into the world. In Scripture, this tendency towards brokenness is, in fact, often called sin. Sin is anything less than God's best. Anything that takes away from the will of God, anything that is not in line with the will of God, that's what that is. And we don't like to use this word because it seems like such a heavy word when we say, I think we should start asking ourselves, did I just sin there? Instead of trying to justify it to say, well, that wasn't that big of a deal. If you wouldn't have, then I wouldn't have. This Just acknowledging that we do, in fact, sin. And we probably do it a lot more than we realize. Before Christ in our life, we were slaves to sin. You just did it. You just did it. You just sinned. There was, there was nothing inside of you that said, oh, I don't know that you should do that. But then after Christ, we begin to, and we should, be upset about our sin. We should be distraught. We should have a level of conviction that happens through the Spirit of God that says, hey, that's not how we're supposed to do things. We often, oftentimes look at the, at the Bible, God's Word, as a list of do's and don'ts, and, and there's, there's some things in there that definitely say, hey, let's not behave this way, let's behave this way, because this is how God has designed things. But even bigger than that, from cover to cover, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful, beautiful, uh, true story about the God of the universe that so desperately loves me and so desperately loves you that he created a way for us to have union, have connection. And then when sin entered into that world, he said, hey, I've already got a plan. And that plan, in fact, is Jesus. Last week, we looked at how God's plan, God has a plan. I mean, that's really where it starts, right? God has a plan. 
God, in fact, has a plan. Is God even paying attention to what's going on down here? He's walking with us and he's amongst us and with his spirit. And so, yes, he knows what's going on. He has a plan. And we've been learning about how people in the Old Testament were told, hey, got a plan and there's a plan coming. And people would be waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. So many years wondering, God, are you still there? Do you still have that plan? Well, today we're going to learn how Jesus, in fact, completes God's plan. Jesus completes God's plan. We're going to go into the book of Malachi, which is the last book listed in the Old Testament. So uh, one way that we can uh, kind of practice this is you can probably go in the middle <laughs> and split it open and keep going a little bit further to your right, uh, because there's more in the Old Testament than in the New Testament there. Um, Beginning of your Bible, hey, there's a, there's a reference there. There's a little table of contents. There is never, ever anything wrong with you looking in the table of contents. Do you know how little um, I go to the book of Joel? I don't. And so sometimes I need to know that it's on page 1224 in my Bible, maybe not yours. Um, so you're going to the book of Malachi, I want you to look that up, and I want you to open up to the book of Malachi. You can also go on your Bible app, which is super simple, because you can just scroll down in the drop-down menu. So Malachi, we're going to go to Malachi chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Now, last week, we saw some of God's plan for humanity unfold over time, little snippets of what was to come. It started in Genesis with the promise of a child who would one day come to defeat sin forever. Then, over the span of thousands of years, not millions of years, thousands of years, God left more clues about what was, in fact, in store. Now, it wasn't that, that God's trying to like create an escape room for us. He shares with us what he wants us to know, because most likely, we can't handle the big picture. I'm just going to flat out say we can't. He gives us what we need to know, and it's impossible to please God without faith. So at some point, you need to come face-to-face -face with this creator and say, okay, am I going to choose to believe you or not? Am I going to choose to trust you or not? Am I going to choose to even believe you exist or not? Once you start there, your, your life goes, goes from that answer. So today, we assume that many of us are choosing to follow and trust in God. And so we see that God is revealing little by little whatever he wants us to know when he wants us to know it. King David learned the coming king would be one of his descendants, which is pretty exciting. Isn't it going to be one of my descendants? I mean, how exciting is that? Then the prophet Jeremiah said that the Savior was still on the way and that God's promise to send him was still good. He promised it. This is the hard thing because we look at God in the way we look at people. Someone would say, hey, I'm totally going to do that. And then they don't follow through. They break trust. And they even said, oh, sorry, couldn't get to it. And then they abandon the promise. God is not human. Amen. He is not you. He is not me. At best, we know from Scripture, we are created in His image, not the other way around. So God has made promises through Scripture from the beginning to the end. All of 
within these 66 books here and letters and documents and all kinds of wonderful truths here, he has made a promise. He has fulfilled that promise. He is not human. So when he says, hey, I'm going to do a thing and then waits a couple thousand years, that's not because he forgot. It's not because he got busy. It's not because he abandoned ship. It's because he hasn't come to the time yet that he's going to fulfill it. He gets to decide when that's going to happen. But of course, we have these moments where we get concerned, we get worried. And in the time of Malachi, the prophet, we begin to see that people were still doing it then. They were doing it back then as we were doing it today, going, you know, is this... Now, of course, we can look back to the coming of the Christ child, but then to look forward to the second coming, we're wondering, was that for real? Ever wonder once in a while, like, what if we've been taken? What if this was a really, really good uh, prank? Let's just be real for a moment. Like, you ever have those moments where I'm just not sure? Well, you probably have, but you didn't say that. You probably were just kind of testing out other areas of faith or testing out other belief ways of fulfilling what you need in your life, uh, like giving yourself more money because you feel better, buying more stuff because it makes you feel better, it makes you feel complete, and yet it still is this empty void. That in and of itself is an act of, you know what, I'm not going to trust God to fulfill it. I'm just going to go make it happen on my own. So we do have these moments where we're wondering. Well, in the day of Malachi, it was very similar as well. So we have this conversation here where between the prophet, you know, God is sharing this message to Malachi, and he's talking uh, to his people. And this was uh, as, as the, the, the Israelites are coming back together, and they begin to talk through what's happening. And once everybody comes back together, they begin to see that the hearts of the people never really changed, that their hearts actually got worse. And so people are doing detestable things, and they're arguing with God. They're arguing with the prophet. God says, you know, I have done this for you. I was good for, to you. And, and, and the people in the, in the day of Malachi say, what did you do for us? That's how people were responding. They were having these back and forth moments. And Malachi saying, uh, God is talking through the prophet. He says, listen, this is what happened and this is what happened. And I prepared for you, I prepared you and I took care of you. And they're going, yeah, we didn't see it, Lord. We didn't see it. So it just kept getting worse. And here we are, Malachi chapter three. And God is talking through his prophet once again. And he says, this is the passage that Natalie read for us uh, earlier here just a moments ago. Look. I am sending my messenger. He will prepare a way before me. Then the Lord you are see, uh, seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Verse 2, but who will be able to endure when, it, uh, when he comes? Who is even going to be able to endure this when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? Who is even going to be worthy? Who's even going to be able to stand up to that? Who's even going to be able to stand toe-to-toe when this goes down? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. Now, Malachi promised a couple things here. Uh, God promised through Malachi. First, God will send a messenger. Then God will come. And then God will come to refine, to cleanse us from sin. 
Now, those hearing this prophecy probably had some questions, as I'm sure you do. Uh, who's this messenger? Uh, when is God actually coming? Uh, what's getting set on fire? And what's the deal with the reference to laundry? Right? Like, this is just, it, all, it almost comes off like, what? What does this have to do with anything? Well, we can find some answers today as we flip over to the New Testament in the, in the, the book of Mark. So go on over to book, the book of Mark, and we're going to look at chapter 1 here, where we begin to get some answers to this. Now, you got to keep in mind, we have, uh, we have Malachi here. Malachi is listed in, in, the, in the collection here, the canonized Bible, as the last book in the Old Testament. Interestingly enough, it's actually not the last book on historical uh, situ uh, things going on, like historical book, but it is in fact, Nehemiah is the last one for that, but Malachi is in fact the last prophetic book. And so what we know of is that God spoke through Malachi and then went silent. Many scholars will say, you know, some people will say, well, you know, as far as we know, and that is true. But many scollars will say it is consensus that he ju God just went silent from Malachi. Hey, he's coming. I'm coming. Somebody's actually going to come before me to set the path, to set a way for me. And then guess what? Then, then I'm going to be there as well. So be looking, right? And from this last prophecy to the time of Christ, we know that is the, the 400 years of silence. You want to talk about having patience. He said he was coming. Be on the lookout. Generation gone. Generation gone. Generation gone. Was he for real? Is he really coming? He said he... And so you begin to get weary, right? We get weary sometimes. We celebrate over and over and over again, and sometimes we wonder, is this even worth it? Is it even happening? What's really going on? Yes, we've been celebrating that Jesus came in the form of a child, died on the sins for our cross so many years ago, but now we're, we're now more than 2,000 years past that, and we're looking around, and we're going, well, what's going on, and, 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 and is he coming again? He said he was going to come back again, but we're almost at 2,000 years where, since the time that he died. Uh, and, and so we're looking around going, is he coming, is he coming? And so we can feel those same feelings. So here, we begin to read in Mark chapter 1. Follow along with me uh, if you have uh, a Bible in front of you, if you have the Bible app. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation here. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. So it had been spoken about a, a number of times within the Old Testament. Hey, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, and there's a messenger coming. It's going to happen. Just keep going. Uh, just keep trusting, right? Like, it's, it's going to happen. And so Isaiah even spoke of it. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was, in fact, we know him as John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned uh, to God for, to be forgiven. Not to be forgiven. Baptism isn't to be forgiven. Baptism is an outward 
profession, an outward symbol of what's already going on inside. It's a declaration to the church family that, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow the living God. All of Judea, including all the people in Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. So everybody was like, this is really exciting. We've been waiting forever. What's going on here? And then they confessed their sins. He baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven uh, from coarse ha- uh, camel hair. Now, this is a description of John the Baptist here. And he, was, uh, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Weird, right? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's your dietary plan. Um, but for him, this is, this is just how he lived. He lived out there. Uh, in the wilderness, uh, living how he chose. Uh, John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. When was the last time you viewed yourself as unworthy to even untie someone's shoes? We wouldn't be willing to do that today with people we love because we'd feel like it's beneath us. You need to touch their shoes? Some people are so freaked out by feet, they never even go near it. And they didn't have closed toe shoes, probably. Think about this. I am not even worthy, John the Baptist says, to even untie his shoes as a slave would. I am not even worthy to clean up after them. I am not even worthy to take care of them. I am not even worthy. Imagine, imagine the humility in John to acknowledge that he wasn't even worthy. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So finally, hundreds of years after Malachi uh, recorded his prophecy, he, we finally get some more answers. The messenger Malachi promised that there was going to be a messenger. Mark records that there was, in fact, a messenger that came before. Now you say, well, we, we've talked about this before. I think I've read this before. This is really nothing new. But have you ever considered all that John was here to do and what our responsibilities and how those kind of go together? Let's look at this for just a moment. While everyone was waiting on Jesus, John had jobs to do. John had a job. He was to point people to Jesus, call people to change, and invite people to be baptized. First of all, pointing people to Jesus, John's primary role was to announce that the best part of God's plan was coming, and it wasn't him. Jesus was, in fact, the way. That's a hard thing, man. That's some serious humility. Yes, there is somebody coming. Is it you? No, it is not me. I'm not even worthy enough to untie the man's shoes. I'm telling you it's not me. And people even, oh, I think it's him. I think it's him. Some even started treating John as though he was the Messiah. Think about it. Imagine the power rush that somebody could take from that. But John knew who he was and what his role was. Call people to change. John called anyone who would listen to change their hearts. Some people, listen church, some people are not going to listen to what you have to say. They're not going to watch your life. They're not going to care about this Jesus that you go to church and you talk about. They're not going to care about your Bible. They're not going to care about any of that. In fact, they may very well even, uh, probably more today, be more subtly offensive towards you about it. Oh, no, no, no. That's good for you, but I got my own beliefs. 
which, which is to say, I'm not interested in, in actually committing anything to the God you speak of. I choose to commit to me as being God. But people don't say that. But that's what's going down. So we call people to change. We have convers- I have conversations with people. Believe this. I have conversations with people, and I'm sure that John did too. Hey, uh, you need to change, man. You need to turn away from this life, and you need to go this direction because Jesus is coming, and, and this is the- what you need to do. And I've had people actually uh, get uh, upset about that. How dare you tell me? Oh, man, I'm not telling you. God's word is saying it. And so I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you what, what I'm learning in God's word, and this is how we need to move forward. Oh, I cannot believe you're not open-minded. I'm out of here. I don't know what to do with that, right? Because I want to do me. I want to live my own life. I am a self-made man. You can't tell me I need to submit to anyone or anything. Pray for them. Pray for them and let the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God can say things to people that you cannot get away with. Right, husbands? Mm. Amen and amen. Pray for your spouse. <laughs> Pray for them. And, and, uh, and let them be. And then invite people to be baptized. So this idea here is an outward sign of an internal commitment to transformation. This idea that we say, okay, so you're choosing to follow Jesus. Great. Okay, so I, what, what I want you to do is uh, here's the next step. Here's the next step that we're taught. And he invited people into this conversation over and over again. God's people had been waiting a long time for God's plan to be complete. They were so eager to meet the Savior God promised that they wanted John to actually be the answer. Wait a second. We've been waiting on him, and you're actually here to tell us he's still coming? Can you just be the guy? Can we just, can we just do this through you, John? Like, for real, like, do we, do we need to wait any longer? We have already been waiting thousands of years. It would be so nice if we could just get this done right here and now. And so some people started treating them, treating John, or, you know, and said, no, maybe it's you, maybe it's you. In fact, when Jesus did pop on the scene, the disciples of John were getting mad about the fact that people were going to Jesus to be baptized. And they said, John, more people are going to him. And John said, good, because that's the way it's supposed to be. Less of me, more of him. You want to change your life following Jesus? Every morning, wake up. Less of me, say that. Less of me, more of him. That'll change everything. Because that'll remind you that it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about what he's done. It's about what we can share with other people. Now, through Jesus, all of the brokenness in the world and in our lives can in fact be healed if he chooses to do it, can be restored, can be forgiven, and can be made new. As you're preparing to give gifts this Christmas time, as you're wrapping things together, as you're putting stuff under the tree, we have this wonderful cultural tradition, we get a tree, we cut down a tree and we bring it in our house We put stuff under it. We get excited about it. And we get freaked out by it because we can see the credit card bills go up. And we totally miss the point. We totally miss what it's all about. We totally miss that there's more to it. Matthew chapter one says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. All of this occurred in order to show that God keeps his promises. He is not delayed. He's doing it on his time, not our time. All this was to fulfill the message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's a simple message with a very difficult application. Simply put, Jesus came that we would be able to believe, that we would be able to receive, in order that we might become. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Now, I know we don't always know what to say to people. I don't know how to share with people about Jesus, and I don't know what to say, and maybe I'll get it wrong. I know, call Pastor Gordon. And so here's a simple way this Christmas season that you can share of the prophecy. You don't even need to know about all the the inner workings about all the details that I shared with you about Malachi and stuff like that. Here's what we need to know, that, Je- that all this prophecy led up to Jesus that we could believe, but not just believe, that we receive. And then once we receive, we become that discipleship. So let's talk about this for a moment. There might be somebody in here right now that says, listen, I believe in God, but I have to ask you, have you ever received it? I believe somebody has a gift for me. I, I tell my kids, you better have a gift for me. Christmas time, I believe they're going to have a gift. Brooklyn can't wait. She's already passing out gifts to us. Honey, we got 20 days. Never mind. Okay, come here. I believe it. But then I have to receive it. Okay, so I believe in you, God. I choose to receive your truth. I choose to receive your salvation. I choose to receive your forgiveness of my sin. So believe, which I think many of us have. Receive, which I think most of us have, some of us have. And becoming, with very few may have. This discipleship process where you take God's word and you say, right now, this big heavy book is intimidating to me. But I want to become more like Christ, so I need to figure out how to learn. And so as I said last week, sometimes you just need to grab a, uh, one, of the, one of the kids' Bibles and start reading through it. Many people have learned uh, scripture through reading to their children. And that didn't matter if you have little ones at home or not. Go grab something. You can grab, and I'll tell you about this in a minute, the Jesus Storybook Bible, and start somewhere. Just start somewhere becoming more like Christ. Hey, don't be, don't be um, intimidated by this book. Be empowered that God cared to give us that much. We still think we wish we would have had more. But just start, maybe start in John. Maybe just start reading the letter of James. Start becoming. Listen, our big idea for today is that Jesus completes God's plan. Jesus completes God's plan. God has a plan and Jesus completes it. So here's our next steps. How does, how does this, I gave you a couple next steps already, but here's some good ones, uh, some additional ones. Spend time this week uh, reflecting on God's plan. 
whether you believe it or not. Whether you believe it or not, whether you've received it or not, just spend some time thinking about it. Thinking about it. And here's a couple ways you can do it. First one is our family life uh, is passing these out to our, to our families. Uh, you don't have to have little kids uh, to receive this packet. This is a super great packet that I am going through with my kids. The Jesus Storybook Bible 2021 Advent. And then what you do is you go through here and they have the, it goes along with the Jesus Storybook Bible. So you would need one of those, which we can get you one. And it has the December date and it has the reading on there. So we sit down and we read through it. And now my kids have found a new way to argue. I want to read. I want to read. I want to read. Masters at it. And so we give them different ways that they can sit down, right? Is this not family discipleship? Come on now. And they start reading the truth of God. I don't care what the cover looks like. If there's something in there that, that isn't completely right, then I'm going to help them with it. But th this is a great way to read God's word. So, hey, we're going to start there. Secondly, just pick up the Bible that you have at home. Just uh, maybe brush it off or don't brush it off. It's fine. And, uh, and just open it up and start reading the book of Luke through the Christmas season because Advent is this idea of the coming, the arrival of the Son of God. And so be looking for, be reflecting on God's plan. In a letter that is known as 2 Peter chapter 3, we read that the Lord is really, uh, really not being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient. He's not being slow. He hasn't forgotten. He's being patient for our sake, for your sake and for my sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everybody to repent. The invitation is open today, and it is open for as long as Jesus allows. Don't wait. Don't wait. Jesus completes God's plan. So be encouraged, because you are a part of that plan. As you head out here today, receive the blessing of the Lord. Be in prayer for your church family as the Lord brings to your mind. Just stop and pray wherever you are. And, uh, and let people know, be an encouragement. So now let the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now say with me, go and be the church.